This is Live Well Talk on St. Luke's Telehospitals Program. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at UnityPoint Health, St. Luke's Hospital. Recently, St. Luke's started a telehospitalist program, which leverages telemedicine technology uh, to serve inpatient care. And joining me today to discuss this program is Chelsea Putz, Manager of St. Luke's Hospitalist Program. Chelsea, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. First podcast. Very first podcast ever. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, we're an uh, award-winning podcast. Oh, so nice. Hopefully us, we can win an award on this one. Yeah, I think this will be <laughs> certainly be in line with one of the best uh, uh, episodes. Uh, but uh, first of all, tell us about the hospitals program. Tell us what it is, how many hospitals you have. and Yeah. Um, you could go back to 2005 when it was founded and the leadership back then, which was An uh, outstanding amazing. leader. Yeah, absolutely. Pro- was... Program note, I started the program. Yeah. Uh, but uh, just tell us, tell us, give us the state of the hospitalist program. Yeah. So the hospitalist program was founded back in 2005 um, and have come quite a long ways since um, that time frame. I think it just started with you and Dr. Reidinger maybe at that time. Yeah. Um, and now we have probably. 30- you could just simply refer to it as the golden age. The golden age. And people will know what you're talking about. Exactly. So go on. Sorry. I won't I age you too much with that. All right. Um, but now we have probably 13 to 14 full and part-time physicians. Um, and then we have, uh, we just hired a new nurse practitioner and a new, another one will be starting in June. Um, but our hospitalist program also uh, sees patients while they're here in the hospital for our family practice physicians or our internal medicine physicians who see patients on the outpatient side. Um, the reason for that is so that those physicians and nurse practitioners can really focus on the patients that are in their office. Um, and it allows the physicians that are here in the hospital to really focus on those inpatients um, and get them the, the care that they need in a good and timely manner. Now, with that program, um, care for about 90% of the inpatient census for the most part? I would say yes. You know, um, we have, there's only two physicians yeah, within our community yeah. that we don't actually see their patients. Doc, Dr. Sohn and Dr. Nelson, I think there's only yeah. two that still come to the hospital. Yep. Um, which credit to them. I mean, they very hardworking Absolutely. and very solid physicians. But uh, yeah, so this, this really is a, this was a national trend started in probably 1993 out in California. Um, and when I started practice in 2000, well, 1996, 96. It, it had started then. You know, mm-hmm. we were dividing up uh, duties from that way. So it, it does increase efficiency. Um, but what you give up in efficient, what you gain in efficiency, you might lose a little bit in continuity. Yeah. So what, what does your team do to maintain continuity? So if I'm a patient admitted to the hospital, the hospital's team's going to care for me. Um, what, what, what is the, what is, how does my family doctor know what happened? Uh, what's going on? I've had any problems. Yeah. So um, all the HNPs are sent directly to your family physician. Um, and we also have five hospitalist nurses that kind of help um, divvy out those patients who are admitted um, overnight or on our swing shifts. And they really look back at the patient's chart to see which hospitalist might have seen them previously so that you continue to have that continuity of care, especially if our physicians are going to be signing off of service and maybe someone admitted that patient or had seen them a few days prior, um, they will get that patient back so that they really know that patient and they know the family and the things that they need for this uh, particular hospital stay. 
The other thing that kind of helps is our hospitalist nurses will also follow that patient from the time that they're admitted until the time that they're discharged. So, um, you know, you either have the continuity with the physician or you have that hospitalist nurse who you're very familiar with and who is familiar with your care um, that you're receiving during your hospitalization. Um, and then after you leave, we also send that discharge summary to your um primary care physician so that they're well aware. If there's anything that really needs to be followed up on, our hospitalist nurse or the physician will make a direct call to the, the patient's family doctor um, to ensure that they are getting the proper follow-up care post-discharge. Okay. Well, that does sound like you have a system in place, um, particularly that hospitalist nurse. Uh, in full full disclosure, you know, I, I work typically weekends as a hospitalist just because of my uh, full-time commitment uh, during the week, as well as this award-winning uh, podcast. international podcast that's listened to. Yeah. Uh, but uh, th- those nurses do really help with continuity, I think. You know, I think that's a big, huge plus uh, yeah. and decreases length of stay and decreases readmission and helps with compliance and follows through on, particularly falls through on pending laboratory work, pending diagnostic studies to keep that continuity flowing. Mm-hmm. And, and we have a Pretty. I mean, Unipoint Clinic does a nice job getting the patients in, correct? I mean, in a timely oh, yeah. fashion. Yep, absolutely, yeah. yeah. We um, were able to get a hold of their office in a pretty timely manner. Yeah. We try to get them, our patients in within three to five days. Yeah, I mean, they make it – used. It, it, that used to be very difficult to achieve. Yeah. Uh, it, it, really, it was very difficult to get them in in a timely fashion. I think you guys would make great strides in accomplishing that. Yeah. Um, particularly under that seven to day, seven to nine day mark, where if you go out beyond that, you increase the chance of readmission. Yeah. As I said, you take about care about ninety percent of the admissions uh, to the hospital, so that I mean that's well close to one hundred and forty patients a day, roughly. I mean that potentially that'd be about a hundred percent, so a little bit less than that. Um, and you have staffing issues like any other discipline in healthcare right now. Yep. So to help with those staffing issues, you try to leverage some technology. Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, we started utilizing telehospitalists back in September. Um, as you mentioned, we do have our own staffing issues. And what we're trying to do with those staffing issues is really still keep that good quality care that we have um, always kind of prided ourselves on that we do a great job in readmissions and length of stay and, and providing a good patient experience to um, all of our patients here within the hospital. So we started utilizing telemedicine because those physicians are already within Unity Point. So they have the same um, metrics and qualities that we're looking for in our physicians, where historically we have used a lot of locums. So physicians that come from the outside that aren't invested into our organization. And so we started utilizing uh, telehospitalists, telerounding uh, back in September. Um, our telehospitalist, uh, we just hired a new one, Dr. Tauray. He's a part of our Cedar Rapids team. And so I think what's kind of pretty cool about telehospitalists is that they still have the ability to kind of conduct, conduct the, the listening of your heart and your lungs, um, by using like a virtual telescope, stethoscope, um, which is a really nice uh, quality so that you still feel they're still able to kind of get that hands-on approach, and then they uh, utilize our hospitalist nurses to help with um, any other assessment needs. Yeah, that's that technology, I'm sure, has come a long way. Is it pretty accurate? I mean, what, what's your thought on it? Yeah, it's very accurate. Um, they have different sound waves that you can kind of change it to, and um, all of the physicians have a headset, and so they can kind of adjust things on their side. Um, one of the things, you know, that you really have to be cognizant of is, like, making sure that there's not um, a shirt underneath 
this the stethoscope um, and really getting that close skinned contact. Otherwise, you do get the um, the sounds from uh, the rubbing of your shirt or something right. like yeah, that. Yeah, a little bit of that. Yeah. So it's maybe extra sensitive or yes. ultra sensitive. Yep. That makes sense. Um, take me through the process. I mean, what is it? Is it like a little Zumba that comes in the room? <laughs> yes. No. Um, it It's basically like a really big computer almost. Okay. Um, there is a monitor that Dr. Uh, the patients can see Dr. Tauri from. And then above that is a camera. And that camera can zo- uh, go around. Uh, 360. It can zoom in, it can zoom out. And really, um, you know, if you have a family member sitting off to the side, um, Dr. Tauray or even any of our other telehospitalists will kind of move his camera to that direction so that he can see and talk to um, that family member and ask them to introduce themselves um, and introduce himself to the patient. So uh, if, you know, you had a patient maybe with cellulitis and he really wanted to get a good look at that leg, he can zoom into very, very fine details um, of that that leg. Interesting. What do patients think of it? Um, you know, it's it's new, and so with that, there ha- we have had patients who um, definitely feel a little uneasy about it. But after kind of talking through with them, you know, you still will receive the same quality of care. There are still in person physicians here available if. Um, something does happen, um, definitely put them at ease. We've had some great comments that people have really appreciated the care that they've had with Dr. Tauray and have felt like they've been able to make a, a connection um, through with that relationship, even though it is virtual. Tell me the, um, but you do have some care guidelines as far as like they don't do critical care, perform procedures, et cetera. Can Correct. You tell me about that a little bit. Yeah. So um, we still do have those guardrails where they don't see those critical care patients or those patients who, um, you know, maybe require a lot of, um, that are very sick. Um, they'll see more of your basic patients who maybe come in with your cellulitis or your chest pain, um, things like that. But if, if, one of their patients does have maybe a rapid response or a medical emergency, they will still still show up. Um, but if it is requires that the patient needs a higher level of care almost, we do have our in-person physicians take over. Yeah, we do have the rapid response team, yep. Yep. Um, which uh, has responded to those since September 2006, I think is when we started oh, responding wow. to all code blues and all rapid response back then, met teams back then. Yeah. Um, do you self-select? Do you say, okay, this patient's not the best at hearing, they're older, they're confused, let's not. Yeah, we, we so will kind do of, that. So you kind of look at that sort of situation? Yeah, we'll look at that. Um, definitely don't give them patients who might need an interpreter. Um, you have the ability to have a three-way call with an interpreter and the patient, but I think that that starts to get a little bit hairy um, whenever you have two people kind of talking to you virtually. So we do try to do it that way. Um, if we do come across a patient that maybe is hard of hearing or it's a little bit more difficult for them to understand, we'll certainly um, have the hospitalist nurse kind of help um, relay any messages or if it gets to a point that we need to, um, give them an in-person physician, we do that as well. I mean, in theory, if the, you could have a database of, or a panel of physicians and if the patient spoke Spanish and you had a telehospital that spoke Spanish, you could yeah, connect those two. That. What's the farthest that someone's away physician? Just out of curiosity. Um, I think the first one that we had to start with us lived in Michigan. Really? Okay. Yes. Interesting. Um, 
yeah, that's the farthest. I don't know that we have a telemedicine service line. And so they, I think, are spread throughout the country. I don't know the furthest. They could be. I mean, they could be on the International Space Station, for all I know. They could be in Mars, the moon. There, there's there's not people on the moon, I know. Chelsea. <laughs> we could pretend. Okay. <laughs> How'd you get into nursing? Oh, man. Um, I... When I was a little kid, I always, um, like whenever my parents were sick or anybody was sick in my house, I thought it was the coolest thing to go get the, the old mercury thermometer and take somebody's temperature and trying to get them to, to feel better. And so um, I, I always enjoyed doing that. And then I always have enjoyed science and anatomy and biology. And so I thought, why not go be a nurse? Um, so I went back, I went to nursing school in 2008 um and started on five center yeah I remember. As, as a nurse there and um yeah i just really enjoy taking care of people i love the science behind it and that's why that's why i became a nurse yeah absolutely well you've done a nice job in your leadership program um at the with the hospitals program you really have Thank you. um and uh credit to to the uh, dr edwards and her leadership i mean i really think the program's in a good position overall uh, yeah. I know you guys are understaffed and, and busy, um, but yes. uh, you have some good doctors. Very, very, I'm very proud to help out with that program. Once again, this is Chelsea Putz, uh, manager of the St. Luke's Hospitals Program. For more information on all services available at UniPoint Health Cedar Rapids, visit unipoint.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.